Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast, version 306, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. If not entertained, indeed, and we'll see if we can do that for you. What a long day both of us had recording this way later than we normally do on a Thursday, but you know what? We're here for you guys. Hell yeah. That's dedication. We got to talk Cowboys, Bears. We got to get into, I mean, what a, a spectacle, what a, a rare thing, the first time ever, ESPN's College Game Day broadcasting from an HBCU at Jackson State this weekend. And of course, Jacques is in Jackson and has been a part of that whole thing, so we'll get into that. But before we start off, Greening Law, my friends, man, am I glad I made that call. I was injured in a car accident. My back has not been right since, and I'm going through all these different processes trying to figure out, you know, long-term. I mean, hell, it's been over a year, and it's, what can we do to help you get better? And they handle everything behind the scenes with the insurance companies and what I need to do and taking care of myself and all that. So if you've been hurt in a car accident, injured on the premises of a business, whatever the case may be, I would tell you right now, make that call to Greening Law. No, I mean, Matt's told you it's, it can be a really complicated, kind of scary situation. What better than to have a company that's, that's, that's done this for years walk you through the process? So if you've been in an accident, doesn't matter, 18-wheeler, business, um, you know, anything, give them a call, 972-934-8900. Let them put a flashlight on you and kind of walk you down the path for how to get what you deserve. And remember, consultation free. It doesn't cost anything to pick up the phone and say, yo, Here's my details. What do you think? Yeah, that's exactly right. So give them a call. If you think you've got a case, consultation is free. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Offices, Dallas, Texas. Chicago, coming to town. The Bears. The Bears. Coming your way on Sunday for another one of those glorious noon kickoffs, <laughs> which is great. You knock it out early. And this is a game, you and I, we spent a lot of time really talking about this the other day on the podcast. This is a Chicago Bears team that you can look at and you can say, eh, they're three and four. They're not very good. Justin Fields takes a lot of sacks. They turn it over. You know, who have they really 
really played. I mean, and they, they beat Houston. They did beat the Patriots. And they beat San Francisco. But this is a team that's coming off a 33-14 to 14 beating of New England. That's the first time this year that the Bears scored more than 23 points. And they also are a team that in the last two games they've played against Washington, which they lost 12-7, to and against New England, where they won 33-14, to they have run all over both of those teams to the tune of, in those just two games, an average of 240 yards rushing in each of those games. And that tends to be, if the Cowboys have somewhat of a weakness on this defense, it tends to be getting gashed at times up the middle in the run game. Nah, bro. I mean, the reality is the Bears. Okay, let me put it like this. When your quarterback is your second lead rusher, Justin Fields, 68 carries, 364 yards, 5.4 average, you're not really that good on offense. Um, that being said, they're averaging 5.2 per carry. And what that allows you to do if you get it going is slow down the game, limit the possessions, keep it close, and steal it at the end. Yeah, which is probably what they would love to do. I mean, they use three different guys. Justin Fields, as you mentioned, who does it about 10 times a game. Khalil Herbert, who they use about 11 times a game. And David Montgomery, who is getting 13 carries on average. Again, we talked about this. Herbert is kind of their Tony Pollard. He's the guy that comes in, and he's averaging 6.2 yards an attempt. He's the guy that really has a little bit more explosion. And David Montgomery would be kind of like their Zeke where he's a guy who runs those kind of hard yards and the stuff that everybody's like, well, get Zeke out of there. We want to see more Tony Pollard. Well, they use him kind of the same way. And then, of course, Justin Fields, who you mentioned is their second leading rusher. We're talking about, again, I just mentioned it to you, all these guys are right around 10 to 13 carries a game. It's going to be really interesting because the Cowboys, if you go back to the Eagles game, I mean, Jalen Hurts is a guy that can do – I don't know if I would say that they're the same type of runner, Jalen Hurts and, and Justin Fields, but we all know that Jalen Hurts is more than capable of picking up quite a bit with his legs, and the Cowboys were able to hold him to 27 yards on his nine rushing attempts in that game. Now, granted, they lost, but they were able to contain him for the most part. Yeah, he didn't dominate the game. He didn't control the game. Um, you know. But that being said, Justin Fields is not – nearly the passer Jalen Hurts is, and they held Jalen Hurts to 155 yards passing. Um, to me, it's really not – It's not. this is not a complicated game. It's just a game where you got to execute and do what you got to do, which is slow down the running game. And more importantly, if you can get ahead of them and force them to feel like they've got to pass, then you you really control it. Uh, I did talk to somebody interesting today, a defense coordinator, uh, this week um, who was saying – because I was asking, you know, how do you stop a quarterback like Fields? And he goes – Interestingly enough, uh, you need to rush five. I go, oh, so he splits him? He says, yeah, you rush him because then he feels the pressure on the times where he drops back and so that he can't pick a running lane. Also, that slow that that eliminates one of the running lanes that he would pick because you got five people coming. So when he drops back, he says, don't let him dictate it by running when he wants to. You force him to stay in the pocket by rushing five. So we'll see if that's something that the Cowboys pick up on. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean, this is going to be an interesting game. It's, it, it's interesting because, as we know, yes, Chicago wants to run, but so does Dallas. Dallas wants to establish the run game. And Chicago has they, – they gave up over 200 yards to the Packers earlier this year. The Giants ran for 262 on them. A couple of weeks ago, the Commanders put up 128 
they've given up some stuff on the ground. And it's going to be interesting because Zeke Elliott has not been practicing. Now, Zeke said today, as we record this on Thursday night, as you know, I mean, he views not playing as soft. And and if he can get out there and give anything he's got, he's going to get out there and give what he can. But it sounds like he's not going to be 100% with that sprained knee. And you kind of wonder if he is minimized, do the Cowboys feel comfortable with Tony Pollard? Some of you listening, oh, it's about time. Again, let's keep in mind, Tony Pollard's never had more than 14 rush attempts in his NFL career. In the only time in college that he had more than that, once at Memphis, he had 17 rush attempts. Tony Pollard never, in college or pro, has been a bulk carry running back. He probably wasn't one in high school. <laughs> I mean, I, uh-huh. who knows, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't. Now, the thing for the Cowboys is, uh, you know, they did this with Dak. It'd be interesting to see if they can keep the same thought process, which is, you should be able to beat the Bears without Zeke Elliott. Then you get uh, then you get a bye week, and then you get to next week. So if he doesn't play this week, you basically give him three weeks to get ready for the Packers game. That, to me, would be the smart play. Um, the backup, uh, whatever that dude is who had a pretty good uh, training camp, uh, I forget his name, the running back from Florida. He's already um, been called up. He played on special teams last week. You know. Give them, give those two guys a shot, man, and go beat them without, uh, without Zeke, and give him three weeks to get ready. Are you talking about, uh, man? I'm trying to think who it is. Is it Olison? No. If he was a better player, I'd know him. I'd yeah, that's the funny. thing. I'm, I'm trying to look at who they've got. Malik Davis. That's who it is. Yeah. I have a Davis. funny story to tell you about that. Is I take a quick exit ramp. So uh, y'all know I'm down here in Jackson working on a uh, project with Deion Sanders in Jackson State. And so I was talking to their uh, special teams coach today, a guy named Alan Ricard, uh, who played for the Ravens for a while. So I'm asking him, you know, about his journey to the NFL. And he's telling me that he played, uh, he's telling me about the Cowboys. And as he's telling me this story, I go, so you, so you signed with the Cowboys? I thought you just visited them. He goes, no, I signed with them. I said, when? So he's like, 1999. I go, we didn't make the team. He goes, no. He said, I was there all spring and all training camp. Got cut at the end of training camp in Wichita Falls. I said, dude, how many times did I walk past you and call you a scrub? And he just looked at me and started laughing. He says, hey, Holy man, crap. I was a fullback and, a, and a, you know, third or fourth team fullback. He said, it's okay if you didn't remember me. I said, I'm just playing, man. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's kind of how it goes sometimes, isn't it? Dude, nobody's writing about the backup or the third or the fourth team fullback in training camp. You don't even waste your yeah. time knowing their name. Ain't no different than uh, Brian Waters, who ended up being an all-pro guard with the Patriots, was in camp uh, as, a, as like a fourth-string tight end. And, you know, I didn't take any time to know him either. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, a lot of the times that's, it's almost like, all right, you got to make yourself relevant, and then maybe I'll I'll start paying some attention to you. No, that's exactly what it is. It's just funny how it works out. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting, though, when you get back into this rush thing. I mean, again, Tony Pollard, who played in 40 games at Memphis in his college career, only twice did he have more than nine carries. 
out of 40 collegiate games, okay? And then you look at this, he's had 18 games as a pro with 10 to 14 carries and 33, I believe it is, with less than 10. He's not a featured back. He's never been a featured back. That's part of the reason why I think he's so explosive and so good. He doesn't have to take that wear and tear that Zeke is taking and that type of punishment throughout the course of a game. And it keeps him fresh for him to be able to explode and do some of the things that we've seen Tony Pollard be able to do. Um, no, I mean, I think that's why I say you just have to keep guys in their roles. Uh, this is what he's always been. Trust me, if people thought that he could take a full load at some point, they'd have given him one. Uh, but he's a niche back. He's explosive. He's outstanding at what he does. And how about this, man? Let's just let the cat do what he do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm good for that, man. But this is this is going to be an interesting one because I, I went last week and I thought, you know what, against the Lions who can't defend the run at all, this will be the game that the Cowboys finally crack 30. Obviously, that is not the case. And so I look at the Chicago Bears team. You look at what they've been doing. They've kept everybody. Everybody the Bears have played has scored between 10 and 29 points. Only two teams have scored more than 20 points on them. Green Bay put up 27, and Minnesota put up 29. Again, in their other, what is that, five games, their other five games, they've allowed 20 points or less. Then you look at what the Cowboys do on offense, and you say, okay, well, the Cowboys are a team that really struggles to score more than 20 points themselves. I mean, they're in between that 20 and 24 range most of the time. But they don't give up a lot. Again, I mean, I think everybody's aware of this. The only team that's put up more than 20 on them was the game they lost against Philadelphia. So that's what makes this really fascinating for me because I think both these teams want to do the same thing to each other. They want to run. They want to run some more. They want to have their quarterbacks pick their spots. Hopefully, you you ask, they don't want to turn it over and let's just see what our run games can do. I just think... I personally think that the Dallas Cowboys defense is better than what the Chicago defense is right now. And they're at home. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It makes perfectly good sense. I would go a step further and say it seems like perfectly fair to, to expect Dak Prescott to somehow play better than Justin Fields and make more plays in the passing game than Justin Fields. And so when you look at it, look at it like that, I think it's a uh, – I think it's a – I think – I think their offense is such that just about everything's going to be a tight fit this year, bro. Um, and so I have Dallas winning this particular game, uh, you know, 23-16. See, and that's, that's probably, I mean, God, what a guess. I mean, what a prediction. <laughs> because I was thinking kind of in that similar range, I, it's – I feel like they're better than Chicago. And to me, the problem is I just, after last week, I just, until they show me that they can put up points, I'm kind of like where you're at. And so I'm going to give them a couple of touchdowns and a couple of field goals. So give me the Cowboys to win this thing 20 to 13. A a touchdown win. They keep the Bears to 13 and, and they get two touchdowns and two field goals to at least hit 20. No, that feels right to me. And and you take your six and two record and you roll into the bye week and we'll see what you got. <laughs> no, I mean it really seems right to me. I mean I think, as I've said numerous times, it's, it's uh, I'm not judging them on how they win. It's did you figure out a way to win? And if you did, for now that's good enough. 
because I don't think it's uh, I think they got elite defense, elite special teams and average at best offense. Yeah, I would agree with that. And uh, maybe Dak, I, I can't imagine Dak will be as poor as he was against Tampa and, and he wasn't very good last week against Detroit. I mean, I would say average at best from Dak last week. Hopefully he got some of that rust off of him and we see a better Dak this week as we kind of saw towards the end of the game against Detroit. If that happens, maybe the offense can pick it up a little bit. We'll see. One of the other things that happened in the NFL today, and, and this is, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit in the offseason when the Eagles made the move for A.J. Brown and made some of the signings that they did. They went out and got James Bradbury, who was let go. Today, they make the trade for Robert Quinn. And it's interesting to me because the Eagles seem to be looking at this saying, we play in a conference that is 100% up for grabs. Anybody can win this thing. Let's go for it. And the Cowboys, now granted, the Cowboys make a move to try and bolster their defensive line a little bit. It cost them basically nothing. And you just kind of wonder where that mentality is with the Cowboys. And I don't know what the answer would be. I don't know if there's somebody out there that would be available, if there's a wide receiver or somebody that could help this offense that's out there. But the Eagles have looked at this and have thought, let's take advantage of Jalen Hurts and take advantage of... We've talked about this many times. No one scares you in the NFC. And what the Eagles are doing, I mean, you got to like that they're aggressive and they seem to be going for it, where the Cowboys are just kind of waiting to see how things fall out. I think the Cowboys are, this is just my perception, is uh, that they're betting on themselves, meaning Sam Williams in week 15 and 16 is going to be a factor that he hasn't been in general you know, weeks one through seven. I think they're betting on that, that, you know, weeks 15 and 16, Tyler Smith will be, you know, even much better than he is right now. Yeah. And that Tyron Smith is coming back. And so even if we have to move him to guard, our offensive line takes a significant upgrade. And so I think that I think they're talking about things like that, that there's self-improvement from playing all these young guys, from being a draft and developed team will show dividends in uh, December and early January because they've been playing these guys. These guys have been getting snaps and reps and uh, they'll get better. Yeah, they better hope so. And, and, and if that's true, again, you keep hoping Michael Gallup will continue to come along as he gets more comfortable and, and, and continues to get to be, you know, that year out or close to it from his injury. James Washington, again, I don't know. I have no idea what you expect from him, but if he can get back and get healthy, then maybe you've added a little bit of depth to your wide receiving group there later in the season, like you're talking about those last few weeks when he finally gets back into the swing of things. I don't know. But it is interesting when you look around the league, you see some of these teams that make moves like this. The Chiefs today went out and made a trade for the Giants' uh, Kadarius Tony. And again, I think it cost them a third round pick, but it's just these teams that kind of identify, you know, is that like some dynamic number one overall wide receiver? Probably not, but it gives you depth and it improves what you want to do with your passing attack. No, he's a good player when his head's right uh, and when he's healthy. Um, He was never going to fit with the Giants. He'd been arguing with them since uh, since the new regime showed up. Uh, You know, Robert Quinn, man, I looked him up. One sack, two quarterback hits and 300 snaps. Now, our friend Trey was, you know, the uh, the Eagles fan who checks in with us quite regularly. He was like, now, JJT, you know that he's going to be playing with a better team and 
you know, he gave me all his explanations for, for why he'd be a good fit for them. And, you know, basically I was telling him, dog, like, I get all of that, but the reality is I just gave you a fact. <laughs> yeah. And because you have an Eagles bias, you took it and and felt like, oh, let me tell you why he's going to be a great player. And the reality is he ain't been a great player this year, so you're hoping that he will be, but there's nothing this year that shows you that he has been or will be. No, it's just a piece that you've added. I mean, that, that's the reality of what it is. It, it's, it's much like, and I think it was a fourth-round pick that they got – Again, this isn't even somebody that commanded a top three round pick. Much like Jonathan Hankins coming to the Cowboys, that's not some, oh my God, this dude, he's going to be right there and he'll be a stalwart in the middle of the. No, they're using him. He's going to go into the rotation. It gives them more defensive line depth and it gives them that big bodied guy. There's a reason why it only cost him a sixth round draft pick to get him. Yeah, and I think with Quinn, it's a, uh, it's a, and I think Quinn, you know, for what they want him to do, will be fine. But I think it's a case of you add a good player or a guy who's been good throughout his career. Because he had 18 sacks two years yeah. ago. And you go, at some point in the playoffs, this dude can make a play to help us win a game. And if he does that, fantastic. Yeah, fair enough, man. I mean, if, if that's what it ends up being, and, and the NFL trade deadline is coming up on Tuesday. It's November 1st, and we'll see what other moves are made. Who knows? Maybe the Cowboys will do something. Maybe they're done. I, I, I don't think anybody was blown away by the Jonathan Hankins move other than it just seemed like a smart thing to shore up some of that depth that they've had there. So we'll see how it plays out, but looking forward to this one. And I think it's, as we've kind of been discussing all week, this is one of those things where it now becomes important. You've got to get this win, get to six and two, go through the bye, and we'll move on from there. But we got to take a trip around the block. And before we do that, got some interesting stories that I want to throw out here for you guys. Let's tell you about Bruce Biltong. I hope that you've had a chance. We've been telling you about Bruce for a while now. And I really do hope that you've had a chance to jump online at BruceBiltong.com. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. And just order some and try it for yourself. We can tell you how good it is, and I'm, a, I'm somebody who will snack on beef jerky from time to time. I like beef jerky, but I, I've never really had a lot of it because why? It's so tough to chew that you got to really be in the mood for it. So it's like Bill Tong took everything you like about beef jerky and then made it more savory and more tender. And so then you're like, well, this is really good. Now you want to eat it a hell of a lot more. <laughs> Man, I like the word succulent. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, it's it's even kind of juicy. It's tender. It's it's really weird because it's nothing that you expect with beef jerky, uh, but it's sensational, man. <laughs> and I really like it because you can get just a two ounce pouch, man, and it, it's great for an afternoon snack for me, bro. But you get two hundred thirty calories and you get thirty grams of protein, which is huge if you try to watch mm. your weight, build a little bit of muscle, man. It's a perfect snack. It is. It is indeed. And you can get yours online right now at bruisebiltong.com. We continue to be the only podcast he works with, so keep supporting him. It means a lot to us. And you get 15% off your order every time you order at bruisebiltong.com. That promo code JAM15, J-A-M, the number 15, and you'll get 15% off. Also, of course, everything made possible by JR and Freeway Tire Shop. His crew, no matter what it is, Something simple like an oil change, tire rotation, what have you, or something major. If you need some serious mechanical work done, they're going to take care of you. They do it professionally, and they stand behind their work with elite-level customer service. Bro, JR learned from the best. Man, he learned that customer service tip 
from uh, Home Depot when he was in their management program. But I rock with Jr. Man, I take all my cars there because it's a trust thing, bro. I trust him to diagnose what the heck is wrong with the car. That's the first thing. And we get that thing out the way, and then I trust him to uh, to use quality parts to fix it. And how about this, Matt? I trust that dude to charge me a fair price. Ain't nobody expecting a freebie or a discount, but just charge me a fair price, bro. And then I expect him to stand behind his work. Um, he does that consistently, continually, and that's why I take all my cars to him. He's five miles, five minutes north of uh, downtown, right off of 35 in Commonwealth. Go in, tell JR, hey, I listened to Jam Session. They told me to come over and get my car checked out, whether it's an inspection or an oil change. You got some real issues. You can send us a thank you card later because you'll be thrilled. No doubt. Freeway Tire Shop online, freewaytireshop.com. So let's trip around the block a couple of things. The third season of Love is Blind is dropping on Netflix, and I don't know why they're doing this on Netflix. This is what Hulu does, and this is what Disney Plus does. I don't know what the hell Netflix is trying to pull here, but Netflix dropped two episodes like a week ago and then dropped another two episodes, and then just like a day ago dropped three more episodes, and apparently next Wednesday they'll have another three, and then the following Wednesday another three. I'm like, what are you, Netflix, what are you doing? You're Netflix. You are known for binging. But I will say, Love is Blind, every time we watch this show, I'm like, why the hell do I watch this show? But it's that, you, once you start watching reality TV like this, you can't turn, you have to find out how it, you know, and it's like the lady and I are just sitting there and talking to each other through it, going, oh, I wouldn't do that. Like, oh, you can't believe this crap and that. But again, I, we talked about this, I think, a, a couple of weeks ago. They filmed this season in Dallas. So these are all Dallas couples, and they end up pulling five out of the pods. So five women and five men, all that live and work in the Dallas area. And for those that don't know, they literally have these conversations through a wall for multiple hours a day over the course of like 10 days. And the idea is to find somebody that you will propose to without ever seeing them. What's nuts is on this season, dude, some guy, like, with the, like the second day he's there, proposes to a girl. He's like, I love you so much. You're the love of my life. I can't believe this. She's like, oh, my God, me too. I'm like, well, you, you've known each other for, like, 10 hours. Those people are bozos. That's what uh, I'm saying. You can't possibly do it, man. You, you could date people for years and not really know them. Well, and, um, you know, they always come out. They go, I've never felt like this before. Like, I just feel so good. I'm like, yeah, it's called lust. You're hearing this person and imagining something and you're caught up in the emotion. Real love, I mean, actual real love takes a long time to develop because you got to go through a lot of stuff and realize that you're choosing to fight through this. It's not because they make you feel good. Um, real true love does not exist until you take a shit with the door open as you walk by. <laughs> <laughs> or the that opposite happens. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know. That's when you've established real and true love. Yeah, there's a lot of that, man. And it's, yeah. it just cannot be done. And these shows are fascinating. And we're, they haven't gotten to where, because right now they're still on. And again, this is what I think is funny about these reality shows where they set people up. Like, you're feeling great. And, you know, hey, this is awesome. And then they, they finally, if, if you have proposed, then you get to see each other. Then they immediately send you on a tropical vacation for a week. Yeah, who doesn't want that? Right, and so you're with somebody <laughs> that you really had cool conversations with that you're probably attracted to. You're like, hey, let's hook up. We're going to have all this great sex in this tropical thing. Then you got to go back to the real world, and you're like, wait a second. I don't want to live like this. What do you mean yeah. in the pods? You didn't tell me any of this. Yeah, because you guys don't know each other. 
Right, I thought you were a neat freak like me, and you're not. You're more of a slob. How are we going to work through this? Right. I mean, it's just, it's bizarre, but I'm excited for them because they've shown previews of the upcoming episodes, and you know how it is, like, when when you grow up in a city, and that's kind of like your home, and obviously my family and everybody still lives in the Dallas area, they showed one little clip, and I'm like, oh, that's the tollway. That's over by, you know, and you get excited, like, oh, <laughs> reminds me of Dallas. So yeah. that's kind of funny. The... The other thing I wanted to throw out here, and this is nuts, dude. So last night, Uh-oh. oh, last night, and this would have been Wednesday night here, and I live in a little suburb of Birmingham, and we, our neighborhood became like the headquarters for the SWAT and the police for a fugitive on the loose. It wasn't you, was it? It wasn't me. No, no, no. Ah, okay, okay. Apparently, down the road from us, we live... Like, if you were to jump on I-20 in Dallas and take it all the way to Birmingham, you would not... Through Jackson. Yeah, through Jackson, through Shreveport, (laughs) through Monroe, through Vicksburg, through Jackson, through Meridian, through Tuscaloosa. Once you get on 20 in Dallas, you the next time you exit, unless you have to get gas, you could take it all the way straight shot and exit to take the road that goes directly to our house. I mean, that... We live That's like crazy, ain't it? it is, man. It's really wild. Like we live probably, I don't know, three minutes off I twenty. Oh, you you literally like this? Yeah, we're like actually like once you weave back to where we live, the houses across the street from us, their backyards back up to this little patch of woods, and on the other side of the woods is I twenty. Like I could walk to I twenty in probably two minutes. Wow! Through the woods, I'd have to cut through the woods and all that, but. Apparently what happened is they pulled this dude over who was wanted for felony assault and he opens the door, gets out and just takes off into the woods. <laughs> and so they were, I mean, this is how legit this was. They had all, they had SWAT here. They set up and they are still set up like cameras, like in the entrance of our neighborhood, there's cameras like recording everything that comes in and out of our like streets on our neighborhood and stuff now. And they were going door to door, telling people to stay in and asking them questions. They were searching cars. They were going through backyards. Oh, they were serious. Oh, man. I mean, they had dogs and stuff like it was crazy. I mean, it's it's something like when you're looking out and and there's SWAT team dudes with, I don't know, you know, AR-15s or whatever, walking around on the street. (laughs) And they're telling you, stay inside, go back inside. And apparently this guy is armed and dangerous. And then all night last night, we hear the helicopter flying over the area in which we live just in a circle. And apparently from what I understand, as we sit here on Thursday evening, very late, they have not caught him yet. Oh, they still haven't caught him. They have not found him. Now I have a hard time believing he's still in this area. That would make no sense to me. But I mean, mean, that's probably why they got the cameras going. They got somebody watching 24 hours. So I uh, guess. And and, I mean, my thing is like my thought was because there's a lot of wooded area around here. I was like, uh, you know, you you run into the woods, you wait it out and and you you keep running. And then hopefully you find some place to hide. And then at night, they're they're never going to find you at nighttime. And you can just make your way down I-20. Maybe you've got a buddy that can come get you or something. I guess. No, I got to tell oh, you. Uh, so we were out and about last night. I do this radio show on Wednesday nights. So we get home and all this is going down. And I had to search under the beds, 
in every closet. Oh, you had to make sure he hadn't I know. carved out a spot in the crib. Pretty much. And I was like, well, what am I going to do about it? Like, what if he is in our closet? He can kill you while I escape him, obviously. <laughs> I know. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go in and do this. And I guess if you hear me yell, just take off running and, and call 911 and I'll try and survive. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. She was like, well, I well, know the lady fiance. She's very thoughtful. So. She is. She is. And so, you know, it's one of those things. Was, the, the guy's not in the house. Like, I walked all around the outside of the house before we went in, making sure there weren't any broken windows or anything like that. You know, that I was like, the guy's not in here. Like, our home is lit too well for somebody <laughs> to want to risk, especially in a situation like that, like exposing themselves to that much light. Right, right, right. I was like, there's just that no way. Sense. Like we, oddly enough, we have one of the only homes on our particular street. We have a, just when they built the neighborhood, they put in like these, they're almost like a decorative looking street lamp. Right. And one of them happens to be like right in the corner of our front yard and our, and they just switched out the lights in them probably about six months ago. So they're LED lights now and they are bright as hell. No, it doesn't sound like a thing no. that a criminal wants to no. do. No, I was like, there is, like, of, like, go to that house up the hill there. I mean, you can hardly see their yard. Our, you can see everything in our yard. I mean, there's no way. <laughs> you know, so, I don't know. It's just, it's 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 very, very interesting scenario. Because then, you know, everybody's got those apps now, like Nextdoor or the Facebook group. And everybody's talking to everybody. Did you see him? Where is he? What kind of crime did he commit? Should we be concerned? Well, the interesting thing is, I'm just saying... Was it aggravated assault? I don't know. It just said felony assault. So, oh, I don't know. Because, you know, they're treating him like, you know, capital murder suspect. And, I know. Uh, that's what I said. I was like, say, because to me, like, seems- if, if he's wanted for murder, he might kill you again. Right. But generally speaking, guys don't want to up the charge on him in that sense. Yeah, it seems strange. But, hey. What do I, mean, I what do I know? I mean, they had they had three different police departments from the area all just canvassing this area. It was wild, man. But you know, I've I've seen it's you know I don't know. I feel like anybody that's ever lived in Dallas, if you lived anywhere near like Dallas, Dallas, like you've seen searches for people. I mean, hell, when we lived in Dallas, we lived on the west side of the Trinity. I could walk to Lou Starrett. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. I was like, I, I, this is just no big deal to me. What's he going to do? And then I thought, I told her, I said, look, if he's inside and he tries anything, I'll be like, hold up, hold up. Do you listen to the Matt McLaren show? <laughs> and then maybe that will save us. <laughs> you never know, man. We'll see. So you're saying there's a chance. Right. You just never know. And then the other thing, and I, I would imagine most people have experienced this, but I don't know. So this evening here on Thursday evening, we had something for the ladies business and we were out in this public area. Like there's this little, I don't know what you would, it, it, it's, it's like the kind of like a shops at legacy type place, you know, where there's all these little shops and restaurants that are side by side kind of, and you can walk outside right. and it's real convenient and stuff. Yeah. Well, they had, they were opening a new restaurant and they had a ribbon cutting and the mayor and all these council people are there. And I, it struck me as like, I've never seen a ribbon cutting in person. It's overrated. It's extremely overrated. I mean, it's it's overrated. I mean, in a picture or whatever, it looks really cool. But in person, you're like, that's it? Now, I've been to several of them. It's probably the Cowboys. You know, they make ah, yeah. some press conference and then they do the ribbon cutting before their press conference and make you come. And I was just like, wow, okay. Did they have the big ceremonial scissors? 
They did, and they had the giant, big ass, you know, ribbon where somebody holds this huge bow, and the other, like, five people are holding what looks like a boa, like a python level ribbon. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, they're all gathered around, and then they cut it, and that was it. They take some pictures, like, and I was like, "Well, what now?" Like I said, my first thought was extremely overrated. <laughs> And I just thought, how random is that, that we just happen to be here at the same time this is going on? And I was thinking back, I was like, you know, every ribbon cutting I've ever seen has either been on a movie or in a picture on somebody's wall or something. I don't think I've ever been in person to see what happens in all that. Well, now your life is complete. I guess so. <laughs> it's, it struck me, and I've been to something like with a charity donation where they bring out like the big check. Right. You know, it, it kind of struck me as the same type thing where they hype up this big deal and then you see the giant check. You're like, I guess that's cool. And then you're like, oh, and then they take some pictures and like, oh, so that's we're done. Huh? Huh? <laughs> you know, and you can't like take there's the, going to be more to it. Right. And, and the, the, the giant check is for show. You can't take that to the bank. You know, they give you an actual check and then that one's for the pictures and crap. No, you definitely can't. Yeah, I thought about that. No, you can't take that to the bank. They'll laugh. Can you imagine? <laughs> you go through the drive-through lane. Oh, yeah, this won't fit in the little thing, uh, sir. That's not a real check. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, some uh, some doofus has argued that once in their life. Man. It's a check. It's been signed. It's real. I guess so, man. And and before we continue on, I just got all kinds of things I'm telling you today. I mean, there's been a lot going on in the last 24 to 48 hours, apparently. But our buddies at False Idol, I love those guys. And, and they used to be a big sponsor on the podcast. And, and we've always appreciated what they've done. Some of you may remember right about the time that the radio show ended, they had a beer that featured you and I on the can. They had the Jam Session IPA. Hell yeah. And One of the great things in my life that ever took place. Yeah, that was awesome. I still have a can of it that I'll never open. Oh, I've got a four pack. Which you know, you it's way past. I would be scared to drink it at this point. It probably would taste funky as hell. But I, I, I'm going to keep it forever. But those guys, as an engagement present to me and the lady, they sent me oh. a a case, a 24 pack of false idol beer that I got today. Oh my, those are friends, dude. Oh my, I couldn't believe. It. I texted him. I was like, "This is this is glorious. Thank you guys so much. This is awesome." And. It's it's two different beers of like 12 different ones, including all these Imperial Stouts and Barrel Age stuff and New England IPAs. I was like, man, this is just, I mean, what a wonderful, wonderful gift. So I just Bro. wanted to thank those guys. You should. I mean, Publicly. that was a gift. Go out there to North Richland Hills and get you some false idols. Yeah, man, do it. And, and tell them, Matt was talking about you guys again on the podcast about that beer that you sent him for his engagement. So thank you guys, because we're going to drink some of it this week, and I can guarantee you that. Now, they had some great stouts. I mean, it was fantastic. Yeah, they've got, they sent us one. It's a cookies and cream imperial stout that they sent. Can't wait to try that. They just got, I mean, my God, their beers are phenomenal, and I haven't been able to have them. I mean, I haven't been back to Texas since May. So that would have been the last time that I had anything from false idol so it's been several months so i'm excited to, to be able to drink some of that again so before we continue onward let's tell you if we may and we may since it's our podcast i know you guys are stoked and i know you're probably hungry smoky john's barbecue why not grab some for yourself this weekend swing by the jam session bowl not even on the menu if you're a new podcast listener it's true they made a menu item a it's not on the actual physical menu 
But if you order the Jam Session Bowl, they'll give you that knowing nod, and they made it just for us. Only for Jam Session podcast listeners. And you've had it like 500 times. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say so, but yeah. <laughs> I've been on a roll lately. It's so it's, good. Uh, it's fantastic, man. I mean, it's a, uh, I mean, okay, check this out. It's either mac and cheese or mashed potato base. Either one is fantastic. Yeah. It's really what you prefer or prefer. And then your choice of two out of five smoked meats. And here's the thing. They chop it up, and then they put it on the scale. So you're getting the full Monty when it comes to meat. Then, bro, it's all about what you'd find on a loaded baked potato, chives, sour cream. If you're into butter, hey, I'm not really into it. But if you are, oh, big old fat juicy scoop of butter, there it man. Is. Butter me. <laughs> chives. Then they drizzle some sauce on it. And if you're eating, if you're taking it home, then they they have to put this top on it. It's so snug that the barbecue sauce often drizzles on the side because it's so packed. Um, and here's the deal. It's enough for two and some leftovers. Frankly, and I've never said this before on air. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm serious. All I've right. never said this before. If you have two and a kid under five, the three of y'all can still kill it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, I, don't, I think it's not enough for three adults. But if you had two Man. adults, you had like a five-year-old, perfect. It sounds, I mean, I'm ready for one right now. And, and you guys can go and get it. It's the Jam Session Bowl, only at Smokey John's Barbecue. Owned by a couple of brothers. It's been in their family for years. Local men, they're fantastic. Or order something on the menu if you want. If you get nervous and go, oh, my God, yeah, oh, what do I say? It's fine because everything there, you can't go wrong. And if you're like me and you don't live in the area, go to SmokeyJohns.com, click on Smokey's Market. You can order the sauce and the rub, and they will ship it directly to you. As a matter of fact, and I've told this story before, you know, we have barbecue, obviously, in Alabama. We'll go out and get barbecue sauce or barbecue at a restaurant here, and I'll bring leftovers home and use the Smokey John's barbecue sauce from Texas on the barbecue from here because it's that good. So get you some. Hey, bro. There's a... You just got to do what you got to do. It's There's delicious. I love it. Nothing I think it's wrong it. with that at all. It's my favorite barbecue sauce of all time. I think it's fantastic. And I, I'm telling you, get some and you will love it as well. So the other thing we got to get into, because I think this is really, really cool. And it just goes to show. It's funny because somebody, we were talking about this on my radio show about college game day going to Jackson State. And somebody like tweeted at me and was like, it's only because Dion was there. I was like, and? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> So what? Like, again, it shows the power of Dion and what he's been able to do. And, man, you're more tied into it than anybody. But what has it been like this week with game day for the first time ever deciding to go to an HBCU? Oh, it's been wild because, um, you know, I've gotten some machinations on how the game day thing works. And it's not like it's this well-thought-out thing. Uh, Let me say I don't want to say it like that. It's not something that's planned out, you know, weeks and months in advance. And what happened is they called Jackson State's people somewhere around 930 Sunday morning and said, hey, we'd love to come. Uh, Are we going to be able to get coach if we do? And obviously the answer is yes. So, you know, uh, the PR guy, sports information director, Dwayne Lewis, checked with uh, Coach Prime. Hey, game day's coming. You're going to do whatever they need you to do. He's like, yeah, I got it. Uh, about an hour later, bro, it was it was done, and then they announced it, and uh, it's been crazy since then. Uh, 
you know, it's, it's basically the biggest thing in college football. When game day shows up, it yeah. says your game is the game of the week. Um, it's Jackson State, which is undefeated, uh, leads the FCS in probably, uh, dude, I'm not even exaggerating, like seven defensive categories. And the ones that they don't lead, they're like top five in another four or five defensive categories. Uh, matter of fact, I got a story on uh, Anscape, one of ESPN's platforms, about Dennis Thurman, the former Cowboys cornerback, who's their defensive coordinator, and why he's created a defense that's just – you can get him in the first quarter. Once he figures out what your new game plan is, because obviously everybody puts together a new plan mm-hmm. uh, for them, uh, it's a wrap, bro. You you really have no choice. They've outscored their opponents, I think, 168-28 to 28 in the second half. Man. Um, Jeez. But – so they're playing Southern. And for those of you who don't know, think about Jackson State as Southern with the intensity of Alabama-Auburn. Um, there's a real hate there. It's not a friendly rivalry. It's a hateful rivalry. And so when you put that kind of hateful rivalry uh, in a game day situation, it's, you know, it's going to be lit, man. It's going to be legitimately 60,000 people at the stadium. Uh, games at 1 o'clock, I promise you. People will be in the stands at 10 o'clock in the morning or 11. I mean, uh, let me see. I said 1 o'clock game. No, they'll be there at 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, and don't forget, man, this is HBCU football. Yeah. So the battle of the bands with the Sonic Boom at Jackson State and Southern's band, which is outstanding, is just as intense as the game. Uh, there's a battle of the bands uh, Friday night. And then, bro, from what I've been told, the bands get it cranked up during a game, and it's just like a nonstop concert. Wow. <laughs> and they hate each other. Like, uh, there was a fight after the game last year. Uh, they've already added extra security. It, I mean, it's going to be a zoo. Uh, your boy will be on uh, Game Day's digital show, I think it is, which is, I think it comes on at like 7.30, right before uh, the TV show. Interesting. So that's, that's online? Yeah, I gotta figure out the details about that. So yeah, you yeah. got man. Yeah, for sure. Because I I, I want to check that out. I mean, if I'm awake at that point, because I am a game day watcher. I mean, obviously I, I'm in a market where college football is the most dominant thing, and I I usually will watch like the last hour, maybe a little less than that of game day. I, some of the changes they've made to game day, I don't know if I vibe with them as much, and I guess it's geared more toward the younger crowd, and that's cool because they need to be. You know, right. but I, I I love Kirk Herbstreet. I, I think Kirk Herbstreet is phenomenal at his college football analysis and is just calls it like it is and doesn't try to sugarcoat anything and is really, really good at what he does. You know, so I've always been a game day fan. And in the Lee Corso thing, I mean, yeah, he's 800 years old now and it can get really weird sometimes because his age obviously comes into play. But it's still badass when you're at game day and he picks your headgear. I mean, people go nuts for that. Like, that's basically what they trot him out for now at any point is to just have him, hey, put on the headgear and people go nuts for him still. <laughs> and it's still cool. No, it's, be- it's become an iconic thing. Um, so, no, nah, man, it's been great. And you got to understand, bro. You got to understand. Um, this started, you know, if I can say it like this, um, with them going, winning, a, you know, 11 games last year and getting to the Celebration Bowl before they got upset and beat up uh, by South Carolina State. But after that, you know, they signed Travis Hunter, depending on which service you look, the number one and number two recruit in the country. 
right before that game in December. Uh, but since then, bro, you know, I did Sports Illustrated's cover piece on him. It was the first Sports Illustrated story on an HBCU since 94. Uh, and in the last week, they've been on um, Good Morning America. He's had a 13-minute uh, uh, spot on 60 Minutes. And now you got game day coming, bro. It doesn't really get any bigger than that for a, for a college football program. I mean, that's more attention than Ohio State or Alabama or anybody's gotten over the last month. You're right. I mean, he he's a master at it. There's no doubt about it. And it's pretty cool to see, I will say that. You know, it's I saw somewhere, I think, I don't know, maybe it was you that tweeted out. I saw it somewhere that... Desmond Howard was already in there. Is the game, does the game day crew, have they already arrived in Jackson? I didn't think they got into, like, Friday. Yeah. You know, what happens is they do a bunch of features and a bunch of interviews mm-hmm. and stuff. So Desmond showed up Tuesday. Um, one of the play-by-play guys showed up today. Kirk and those guys probably got in town tonight. They got some interviews tomorrow. I got you. Um, oh, you know, Jackson State got the rings today. Uh, for winning the uh, SWAC championship last year. So it's it's been quite an adventurous week, man. It's been a lot of excitement around campus and uh, the city. And uh, the game is, you know, Jackson State should win. Um, but it's football, man. And when a rivalry like this, there have been years where Jackson State's been really good and lost to them, like any rivalry in years where Southern should have blown them off the field and lost so if Jackson State plays their A game, they're going to blow them out. If they play less than that, and it's supposed to rain, which, you know, always helps a weaker team, yeah. um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But Jackson State should win, whether it's, whether it's a little closer or it's a blowout. Well, it's cool, man. And, and I, I mean, I'll definitely be tuned in on Saturday morning for at least a little bit of college game day from Jackson State. That'll be awesome to see. Even though I got to say, I mean, I used to like Desmond Howard a lot. But his playoff picks this year, I just was like, dude, don't be that guy. Please don't turn into that guy where you're just saying crap to get attention, you know? <laughs> do, you, do you realize yeah. Desmond Howard's playoff picks this year for the college football playoff? Texas A&M, Baylor, Michigan, and Pitt. Okay, what are you doing, bro? And he had Texas A&M winning the national championship, and they're about to lose their fifth game of the season this weekend to Ole Miss. I mean, what are, <laughs> what are we doing? Like, What's Michigan, tr- okay, Michigan, fine, whatever. But the other three, like, dude, what are you doing? Was he trying to uh, to be pithy and trying to show he was the smartest guy in the room? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like he was doing it like, you you know, at the beginning of the season, you can make a defense for any team if you really want to. And I think he it worked. I mean, everybody on the planet was talking about it. So he, he got what he wanted. He, you know, Stephen A. Smith did, Skip Bayless did, whatever you want to say. Where you just go, come on, man. Be let, let's have some realism <laughs> with this. There's no way that was going to happen. So there's no way one of those was going to get in there, let alone four of them. No, man. I mean, stop being ridiculous. And and that the the whole thing, like even to me, like I do think Michigan and Ohio State will both be undefeated when they play each other. I don't know that Michigan's going into the shoe and knocking off Ohio State. Um, I can tell you that game is all about one thing, bro. It, it really, to me, it is. Last year, Michigan, because they talked shit after the game. I'm sure they, they did. No, I mean, they talked personal shit, meaning uh, we knew they were soft. We knew if we came in and got physical with uh, them, we'd run them off the field. Michigan's offense is one-dimensional. They run the ball. Uh, you know, they like, you know, Harbaugh's decided he's a Bo Beckler throwback. 
So, you know, if you can man up and stop their running game, you you can beat them. And if you can't, they just ran for 400 yards against Penn State, you know, yeah. two weeks ago. Yep. So it ain't complicated. Uh, Ohio State knows this. They've built their team this year to handle it. They brought in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State to stop it. And uh, we'll see. We will see indeed. It, it'll be – it's going to be fun to see. The other thing I wanted to throw out is – oh, I was going to ask you about Dion because, like you said, he was on 60 Minutes, college game day coming, and that question keeps coming along. Do you think that he's done at, at this level? Because he's going to get – I mean, there are multiple jobs that are going to be open. You know, Auburn's going to be open. Georgia Tech is open. Nebraska is open. There's a handful of others that are out there. Do you think that there's a program out there that would pique his interest to, to make that jump? this off season yeah but i don't know what it is yeah <laughs> yeah and i don't know which one it would be but i'm just curious if you think that that he feels like now he's ready and the, and the time is probably now to do it oh well see he would he would tell you he was ready whenever five years ago uh whenever he, he first got into this or three years ago i think it's uh uh how do i want to say this i mean i think he he's just looking I think what he said on 60 Minutes is true. When people call, I listen. And if it's a right fit, it wouldn't shock me if he left. Now, I don't know what the right fit is. Um, I know when he talks about these things, he's very consistent in his verbiage. And the verbiage is wherever I go, if I go, it's not going to change my lifestyle one iota. Yeah. I'm going to live the way I live. It will, however change the lifestyle of my assistant coaches and um, if you know him he's got two or three of his assistant coaches are the guys who coach with him at the youth level bro now before you go oh there's no way he can bring those guys with him well one of them played in the nfl so yeah he can bring him with him uh another one played at uh, kansas state and so yeah he can bring him with him and the other one played you know somewhere else at D at a Division One school, so yeah, if he wants to bring those guys, they're all certainly capable of coaching at you know a Power Five uh, institution. Uh, but uh, to go deeper in your question, I think I think the highest paid assistant coach at Jackson State right now makes one hundred twenty five thousand. Wow. Two or three of them work for free because they're still getting paid elsewhere, and then three to four to five of them you know make 70 or 80 or 60,000 so whatever name whatever power five you you well, think he's going to or anybody's going yeah. to and those guys are all making base 250 to 300 well I, I mean I can tell you this right off the top of my head that the Auburn offensive coordinator makes $800,000 a year right right so yeah, and, you know, top defensive quarters make 1.1 1. 1 or 1.2 yeah. 1. Mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. So if you're making 60000 and you get a bump up to 300000 you're like, oh, yes, life is life is good now. Or if you make, you know, 125000 you get bumped to 800000 then your life has changed. I mean, that's drastic. Yeah. So, and um, and I said that thing about the youth coaches to show that, He's all about loyalty. His circle is very, 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 very tight. One of his favorite phrases is, I don't need no new friends. And so they're loyal to him. He's loyal to them. 
And if he can find a fit where it works, it wouldn't shock me if he left. I just don't know what that fit is or if he can find it. Uh, I'm going to tell you something, though. I think he's interviewed for four jobs. I think. Uh, Florida State, Arkansas. What's the other one? TCU, right? Yeah, and there's one more, I think. I think. I can't remember. It's late. (laughs) Um, Here's the deal. I'm just going to keep it real with y'all. And this is nothing that I wouldn't say anywhere else, but we're having a conversation right now. Um, He's a charismatic dude. He's a good football coach. Um, Where he winds up, if he winds up somewhere, to me, is solely about whether the big money booster, whoever that is, because we know every school has that, whoever that big money booster is, can he deal with not being able to control this black coach whatsoever? Like, no matter how much money you have, you're not going to be able to tell him what to do. Yeah. You're just not. And so that big money booster, if he wants to win, but he's cool with winning without being able to say, hey, you know, whatever, 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 um, then that's cool because I know him. And, like, you know, I would say it like this. Like, so you're at a Power 5 school. You're big. You got several big money boosters. If you're not giving seven digits, don't even call over to the football office looking for them. <laughs> yeah, which I think is is fair, and I think that – you know, a lot of people think Auburn would be that type of school that, and I would think they'd be very interested in him, but their boosters have not been able to get out of the way of anybody for years, which has right. always been why they're so dysfunctional at Auburn. And, you know, I, I just wondered do you, do, with Dion, and we've talked about this before, you know, he loves the country. He loves to fish. He loves to do those types of things. That's why I he wonder. He loves like, to win. Like, would, would, like a Wisconsin or a Nebraska like, nah, bro, he ain't going nowhere cold. See, that's what I figured. That's what I was wondering about. Like, Arizona State in the desert, but then, like, in the south, right now, we know for a fact Georgia Tech is open. We don't know for a fact that Auburn is open, but the belief is that Auburn is very much going to be open. And we'll see what happens. You never know what types of schools are going to make that change, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't, and I think, you know, you know how these things work. Like, there could be some situations where, some team is six and six. Yeah. And they're like, and I'm just, I have, I'm just giving you, you guys a hypothetical, which I normally don't do, but I'm like, they're six and six. Hey, Dion, if we put this package together, would you come? And they, and he goes, nah, nah, no, thank you. And go, well, we can't wait to see what coach McLaren can do for us next year. He's had a six and six season. We feel confident he could build on that. Right. Or they go, hey, Dion, if we put this together, will you come? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come for that. Coach McLaren, we appreciate what you've done. Uh, we're going to move in another direction. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and we see all the time, like, there's some thought that Lane Kiffin kind of looks at Ole Miss the way Brian Kelly looked at Notre Dame. And is like, man, I, I, no matter what I do here, I'm not going to be able to get over that hump to get on the level of the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world and whatnot, which is why Brian Kelly went down to LSU and there's some thought that that Lane might be interested in the Auburn job. And if that were to happen, would Dion want to go to Ole Miss? I don't know. I mean, there's all there's all sorts of movement around. 
but it feels like he is like the guy that you hear the most about that so many programs are very, very intrigued by. And, me, and rightfully let me, so. Let me just say this, bro. I'm just going to say this. If you want to compete for a national championship, you should go hire Dion. Because I think depending on if he if he gets a team if he goes to a place that has a history of winning and wants to win then he's got a chance of winning he'll definitely be in the playoffs within three years and he got a chance to win a national championship probably in three to four years and here's why he's going to slay the recruiting game and it's not even close He's going to slay it with substance with the parents and with style with the athletes. And he can talk to anybody, black guys, white guys, and, and whoever else in between. He can step in the room in the homes of those people and feel as comfortable as in, in either one. And so he's going to win the parents but the style and the flash that he's going to show the kids and the fun that they can have, uh, he's going to slay the recruiting game, bro. See, and that's the conversations, especially where I'm at in Birmingham, in, in Auburn, who it's about two hours south of Birmingham. Alabama for years was known as these, they meddled and, and they had that type of thing. But they were willing when Nick Saban, when they thought they could get Nick Saban, they were willing to step aside and like, okay, Saban can come in here and, and do his thing because they right. were willing to do it for that coach. And I, I've said this, it's like, I wonder if the powers that be behind the scenes at Auburn would look at somebody like Dion and be like, okay, for him, we're just going to get out of his way because we want to, we want our Saban because they haven't got out of Harson's way. They sure as hell, I mean, they puppeteered Malzahn, but it's. I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be fascinating because I do think that what Dion feels like the guy that whatever school gets him, all of a sudden, like you just you just described it, and I completely agree. You believe you've just hired a guy who's going to win you multiple national titles. I think he is because his focus is single mind. He's like Saban with his focus, bro. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you some stuff off the air about why I think he can win because it would require me to divulge some stuff I'm not ready to tell to the public. But when I tell you, and I'm, I'm not talking like secret games, I'm just telling you stuff, and you'll be like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I get that, yeah. Okay. And don't forget, bro, for those, you know, because I wrote a story about this last year at ESPN with uh, Adam Rittenberg. Uh, he talked to a bunch of ADs about, you know, whether D.I. could work and fit and stuff. And, yeah. you know, all the little silly questions that they had about him, bro. He's really pretty much answered over the last two years. But he's he's all about, you know, there's a, there's a misperception about him. He's all about structure and discipline, bro. And, um, you know, that those are the types of players he wants and those are the type of coaches he hires. He just does it with a lot more style than most other folks. It's going to be fascinating to pay attention to because, I mean, again, as wild as it is, we're two-thirds of the way through after this weekend. Everybody at the FBS level will be two-thirds of the way through their, their regular season, and there are schools. You know, Auburn's a great example of that. If they don't make a bowl game, and even if they do, 
if they're ready to move on from Harson, they'll pull the trigger on that right after the end of the regular season, which will be Thanksgiving weekend, which somehow we're only a month away from. So that's going to be yeah, a lot of fun bro. to follow along with that. And then finally here, just for a couple of minutes, I don't know if you saw this tonight, but Luka Doncic went ballistic in Brooklyn. The Mavs knock off the Nets 129 to 125 in overtime. Luka has 41 points, 14 assists, and 11 rebounds for a 40-point triple-double in a dominant performance. He was 11 of 13 from the free-throw line and just absolutely took over. And the Mavs, and this is what we talked about with their depth, Dinwiddie had 11, Kleba had 15, Hardaway had 18, Wood had 11, Green had 10, but Luka led it and the depth holds on. And you'll take it, man, because the Mavs, they needed that one. I mean, they had that rough loss whenever it was. God, was that two nights ago? Maybe this was a back-to-back. I can't remember. When they lost to New Orleans without Zion in a struggle to start off. But they're now 2-2. Two and two. And what a, what a performance that Luka put on tonight, man. Bro, he's in year five, man. He's moving, morphing into that prime where... You know, he understands the game a lot more. He knows what he can do. And now they've surrounded him. What did Christian Wood do tonight? He had 11 points. Let's see what else he did on the box score here. coming Because they're still using him off the bench. And I know people are getting pissed about that because they want him to start. But Christian Wood, 24 minutes. He had 11 points, six rebounds. So, you know, solid. Hey, man, the NBA, uh, I, I mean, I get what people say. The NBA is not, it's not about starting. It's about closing. Who's on the court in the last four minutes? That's that's who matters. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the court in the last four minutes because he's a really good player. Yeah, and I was reading something where they've been asking Jason Kidd about that, and he was like, you know, look, we we don't have enough data to know, and then they'll get like 10 games in roughly and then look at everything and see how they want to make adjustments in their rotations and all that. But the Mavs are good, guys. The Mavs are really, really good. And Luka is that dude right now. It's funny. I had a friend of mine who's a Houston guy. He texted our group today, and he was like, I think Luka might be one of the top two players in the NBA. I was like, oh, you think? <laughs> I was like, welcome. Welcome to this, to this guy named Luka, you Houston clown. Hope the Astros get swept. It's going to really suck, man, because the Astros are probably the Astros are really good. And the World Series is starting this weekend. And it's not that I'm rooting for Philadelphia. It's that I'm rooting against the Houston Astros. All right. I get that. Um, Now, you know, I'm uh, I'm not going to be watching very much of it, but I'm rooting for Houston. Why, Matt? They're from Texas. Hell no. They're from Houston. Hell no. You like Dusty Baker. There you go. There it is. I'm a, Dust, I'm a Dusty Baker guy. All right. Fair enough. And I will say, I think it'd be cool for him to get one. I, I in this, it's funny because I, I talked trash about Houston before and somebody tech, or tweeted at me and said, oh, you cheating. I was like, I never said anything about that. This version of Houston is not cheating. This is a really, really good baseball team. I hate the Astros. <laughs> you, all you Astros fans need this so that you actually have a real world series to talk about. I don't want you to have one because your arrival of the Rangers has nothing to do with what happened five years ago or whenever that was. That's in the past. This, again, make no mistake about it, this version of Houston has nothing to do with that version of Houston that cheated. And don't think that I think that because that would be ridiculous. I just hate them. (laughs) I hate stupid Verlander still hanging around and I hate Altuve. So, 
All right, my friends, that is a podcast. Enjoy the Cowboys this weekend. A lot of fun stuff going on. Have fun at, at game day. Enjoy Jackson State. That's going to be a fun atmosphere, man. Bro, it's uh, it's going to be wild. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll have to remember to bring that up again on our podcast dropping on Monday. We'll have Cowboys Bears. See how it goes. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.